You know how frustrating it is when you say something that you know is true? Especially about contamination of your neighborhood and the air by noxious, toxic pollutants coming off a radiologically contaminated landfill site and the stuff is making you sick? And you're told, it's nonsense. It's all in your head. You're making too big a thing out of it. You don't know what you're talking about. And you should defer to those experts who really know what's what. And for years, you keep speaking your truth over and over again and getting the same result. And then one day, finally, one of those so-called experts pipes up and you get to hear... In the middle of this meeting, in front of elected officials, one of the doctors gets up and looks at us and says, you know what, we have you moms to thank for this study because if it wasn't for you pushing us, we wouldn't even have done this. That pissed me off. And I lost it. And I thought, it should not fall on the shoulders of two soccer moms to force you to get up off of your you-know-what and figure out and tell the truth. Well, the good news is that you were right all along. And the bad news is you were right all along. And now the only thing you can do is acknowledge that you and your neighbors and even those so-called experts are all stuck in the seat that we all share. Nuclear hot seat, what are those people thinking? Nuclear hot seat, what have those boys been drinking? Nuclear hot seat, the corium is sinking. Our time to act is shrinking, but our activists are linking. Nuclear hot seat. It's the bomb. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly international news magazine keeping you up to date on all things nuclear from a different perspective. My name is Libby Halevi. I am the producer and host, as well as a survivor of the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island from just one mile away. So I know what can happen when those nuclear so-called experts get it wrong. This week, we talk with Dawn Chapman of Just Moms STL on the just-released report confirming all of her group's worst fears about the health impact of noxious fumes coming off the Bridgeton landfill and its neighbor, the radiologically contaminated Westlake landfill. And we hear from UK research scientist Dr. Chris Busby with a few choice comments about the police harassment he was subjected to last week and his being taken into custody on absolutely trumped-up charges of suspected bomb-making. While Chris might be an incendiary personality with an explosive temper, no way was this incident anything other than a shot across the bow to see what it would take to make him back down from his highly effective battles with the UK government on behalf of nuclear victims. The answer? Chris back down? Are you kidding? Not gonna happen. We will also have nuclear news from around the world, numbnuts of the week for outstanding nuclear boneheadedness, and more honest nuclear information than will be part of Dr. Christine Blasey Ford's testimony to the Senate on Brett Kavanaugh. All of it coming up in just a few moments. 
Today is Tuesday, September 25th, 2018, and here is this week's nuclear news from a different perspective. Starting out in North Carolina, where as a follow-up to the story of Brunswick Nuclear and Hurricane Florence, at last report, the nuclear facility was still shut down because the adjacent Cape Fear River was projected to peak at anywhere from 60 or more feet, much higher than the seawall. This is where Brunswick takes in its cooling water. Also, Duke Energy Sutton facility directly downstream from Brunswick, a natural gas facility, was closed because of flooding and coal ash pits were breached leaking sinospheres into the Cape Fear River. That means that the coal ash is in the river, and it is unknown what impact that might have on the cooling system for the nuclear reactor. We'll give you more information when we've got it. At San Onofre in Southern California, an activist walkthrough of the site passed spent fuel canisters while wearing a Bigaigi Nano radiation meter hooked up to the SafeCast International Free Database, showed alarming results that are kicking up yet another storm against the nuclear reactor and owner-operator Edison's handling of the spent fuel. Radiation readings in counts per minute ranged from 36 to 649. And according to Soaks USA, a Geiger counter manufacturer, a CPM reading of at least 100 is considered a warning level by the radiation network, although the length of time you're exposed to the radiation is an important factor. The highest ratings were found, surprisingly, outside of the older above-ground Arriva system, which has housed waste from the torn-down Unit 1 reactor at San Onofre for about 15 years. Standing directly in front of the Arriva canisters, readings shot up to more than 2,000 counts per minute. The alarming nature of these readings is being hotly contested by Southern California Edison. Of course. San Clemente resident Darren McClure was wearing his device on his belt at the time of the readings and says, My data concerns me. I was getting six right at my gonads. I've got questions about how long I should have stayed there. And he added, not quite jokingly, it was suggested I not have any more children. In other San Onofre news, the industrial safety worker who made the first public remarks about an incident in the loading of dry casks at the plant that prompted a special inspection of the site by federal regulators has, quote-unquote, resigned his position at the plant. Quotes from Nuclear Hot Seat, not the article. In a very brief telephone interview on Friday with the San Diego Union-Tribune, David Fritsch said, I no longer work there, and I left for personal reasons. It was my decision, end quote. Fritch was an employee of Williams Industrial Services Group, a Texas-based company, which was his employer for several years. They say that he, quote, voluntarily resigned to pursue other professional opportunities. We wish him the best in his new endeavors, end quote. That sounds to me like there's a whole bunch more story behind that, but it's not likely we're going to learn it. The U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission on Monday, September 17, issued renewed operating licenses for the two operating units at Indian Point Energy Center, located in Buchanan, New York. Entergy, the owner of the plant, applied for the licenses in April of 2007, only 11 years ago. And both Indian Point units have been operating without a license for several years. They're approved to run till 2024 and 2025, 
but the units are scheduled to be shut down in 2020 and 2021. So will they shut down as promised, or will they keep going? We'll keep you informed. It's activist lawsuit season. A national environmental coalition has filed a legal challenge against Holtec ELEA megadump for irradiated nuclear fuel that includes risks of shipping high-level radioactive waste by truck, train, and or barge through most states. At Rocky Flats in Colorado, plaintiffs seek additional environmental analysis, claiming that the feds relied on old data, ignored erosion and plutonium, in deciding to open public trails at the Rocky Flats quote-unquote wildlife refuge. And in Washington state, the Hanford Challenge lawsuit to protect Hanford workers from toxic exposure to chemical vapors was settled, ending litigation and ensuring protections for tank farm workers. The agreement gives the plaintiffs, Washington State, Hanford Challenge, and Local Union 598, the ability to monitor and enforce provisions in the agreement for the protection of workers. Big win. Congratulations. In Japan, on September 12th, Human Rights Now gave an oral statement on the hazardous working conditions faced by Fukushima cleanup workers during the 39th session of the Human Rights Council in, in Geneva, Switzerland. Concerns included negative health impacts and labor exploitation of cleanup workers at the Fukushima nuclear power plant, where 76,951 workers were reported doing cleanup and related work up to 2016. The Japanese government recently acknowledged the death of a cleanup worker by cancer due to radiation exposure, as well as three others who developed leukemia and thyroid cancer. Over to Wales, where EDF Energy plans to dump 300,000 tons of mud contaminated by waste from nuclear power plants into the sea off Cardiff Bay. Just two kilometers, a little over a mile and a half from the Welsh capital's seafront. Multiple studies have shown that waste dumped into water like this can transfer to the land via coastal flooding and sea spray. We'll have a lot more on this on next week's show. In Belgium. Five out of seven nuclear reactors at two nuclear power stations have been stopped over a cooling system leak. In July, specialists discovered the degradation of the concrete quality at Tehange 3, while a similar problem was found at Dewell 3. Analysis of the concrete is now being carried out at other reactors after initial checks found out that it was getting old. Aren't we all? The Belgian government is planning to shut down all of the reactors by 2025. And in Malaysia, the current Prime Minister, Mahathir Mohamad, announced at an energy conference that the country would suffer from radiation if it tried to build nuclear plants, citing the Chernobyl and Fukushima incidents. Nuclear is not the solution to generating electricity, he said. And now... Nuclear hot seed, nuclear hot seed, nuclear hot seed, none that's out of week. Geraldine Thomas, professor of molecular pathology at Imperial College London and a well-known pro-nuclear shill, spoke on September 10th at the World Nuclear Association Symposium 2018 and said that the real problem with radiation was that the public debate fails to separate the peaceful and military uses of nuclear energy. What? She went on to say, there is a constant emphasis for the nuclear industry on safety. That just makes everybody feel that what you were doing before was unsafe. So please, stop talking about safety. She also said, 
People believe radiation is dangerous, even at low levels, because that's what they keep hearing. Because it's true! So we've got to keep saying it. Clearly, the report of the National Academy of Sciences, the biological effects of ionizing radiation number seven, is continuing to have the impact it's supposed to have, which is warning people about exposure to low-level radiation. And the nuclear industry has been invested since its earliest days, since the Trinity explosion, in keeping the facts about radiation away from the public. Jerry Baby went on to take pot shots against Alexei Yablokov's groundbreaking book, Chernobyl, Consequences of the Catastrophe for People and the Environment, which compiled over 500 medical reports coming from Eastern European countries on the genuine impact of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster. As for Fukushima, she said, And we have Fukushima, and what I believe were appalling headlines. And I told the press that it's their fault. They turned the Chernobyl accident into a disaster. Who is this wackadoodle, and why does anybody take her seriously? Finally, she lamented, The Internet means everyone has a voice and expects their voice to be heard. We need to get our message out there as effectively as the anti-nuclear brigade do. Well, Jerry Baby, as a card-carrying member of said anti-nuclear brigade, I wish to take a bow and thank you for the acknowledgement. Meanwhile, Jerry Baby, if you insist on drinking the Kool-Aid, I suggest that you mix it with tritiated water and then go stand in the corner like a good little girl and chug it down. While we of the proud anti-nuclear brigade salute you, Geraldine Thomas, as this week's Nuclear Hot Seed, none that's out of week. Thanks to Sean McGee, a.k.a. Arclight, of Nuclear-News.net for making me aware of this story. We'll have this week's featured interviews in just a moment. But first, hey, it's my birthday in just four, count them, four days. Yay! And Nuclear Hot Seat needs your support to meet its monthly financial obligations. Are you maybe seeing a connection here? You know... You can help me celebrate and support the show all at the same time. That's what I call one heck of a birthday twofer. Now, Nuclear Hot Seat is my gift to you every week. So take a moment to consider what you get from this show. A weekly alternative narrative to the nuclear propaganda, or dead silence, that's all you hear on mainstream media. We work hard to get behind the scenes, under the skin, and into the heart of nuclear matters, always from that storied, different perspective, with fresh information you probably won't find no matter how hard you surf the internet. If you value the information, doesn't it deserve just a bit of your support? So help us out with a birthday donation so we can keep bringing you the kinds of verifiable information that you don't normally get to hear on nuclear issues. Any amount is deeply appreciated. And it's really easy. Just go to NuclearHotSeat.com and click on the big red donate button for a one-time donation or to set up a monthly donation of any size. And if you keep scrolling, you will also find a big green donate button that allows you to quickly set up a recurring donation of just 
$5 a month. So launch me into another year and do what you can to help Nuclear Hot Seat to keep searching and sharing nuclear information that helps you understand what's really going on. Whatever you can do to help, you'll be part of keeping Nuclear Hot Seat alive and growing and me dancing the birthday dance. And you will, of course, have my gratitude. Here's this week's featured interviews. Dawn Chapman co-founded the group Just Moms STL and helped shepherd community protest of radioactive waste from Republic Service's two landfills adjacent to her home that had contaminated the neighborhood, backyards, even inside the houses where they and others in their community live. One of the major issues, and the one that alerted them to the nuclear nature of the threats they faced, was the horrific stench rolling off the Bridgeton landfill site. After years of being told not to worry about the smell, on Friday, September 21st, they received some news that was both vindicating and depressing. I talked with Dawn only two days later, on Sunday, September 23rd, 2018. Dawn Chapman, it's always a pleasure to have you with us on Nuclear Hot Seat. Oh, it's so good to be back again. The Just Moms group and actually the entire community in North St. Louis just received word from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services regarding the Bridgeton landfill, and it was pretty monumental. What was it that you were just told by this Department of Government? Well, we were validated. We were told this past Friday that there is, in fact, a health threat to the emissions leaving the landfill. There has been, and... They have put out stern warnings for folks to avoid the odor. This report was also done with the CDC and with ATSCR, so they signed off on it as well, an agreement. What is ATSCR? ATSCR is not a spinoff, but a branch of the CDC. And while the CDC handles um, like bugs and germs, flu, stuff like that, the ATSCR is the Agency for Toxic Substances and Disease Registry. So they deal with illnesses related to what it sounds like, toxic substances. What did the study consist of? What were they looking at and what were they looking for? This fire at the landfill is burning off chemicals because it's a chemical Superfund site and a radioactive Superfund site. So they had air monitors surrounding the site, these agencies, and they have been collecting data since 2013. Now, unfortunately, they should have been since 2010, but they couldn't get their act together. So this community went unprotected, and we have absolutely no idea for the first three years of this fire when it was raging and what was coming out. But from 2013 on, they were sampling data for all of these chemicals. And there are, I mean, it is astounding how many chemicals are leaving this site. It is really mind-blowing. And it was quite something to be in a room with all these doctors from these agencies with alphabet soup degrees behind their name, you know, basically going on and on about how there is no site like this that they've ever found. And, you know, there's just so many toxins leaving. Anyway, they looked at that and they said, okay, they weren't looking for acute exposure, meaning a one-time exposure. They were looking for long-term for us. 
since we live next to this 24 hours a day. And it took them a long time to analyze all the data. And really, you and I, we can be frank, what it took is a long time for the government to swallow their pride and okay the release of the study. That's what it took. Because it says something that's not good, which means that we've been harmed. What is the significance of this finding to the Just Moms group and the people who live in North St. Louis around the landfill? You know, I think the significance is so there's a personal side to it, which is we were right. And I think you know, because of your experiences and your, your viewers' experiences dealing with the government and agencies around toxic and radioactive sites, the government, man, they are so good at playing a gaslighting game. They make ordinary people who are just worried about their health, who are having real health issues, feel like they're hysterical and feel like, you know, for me personally, calling in and speaking with these people when I first found out about this site, I mean, they made me feel like I was a hysterical mother. You know, they're there, dear. Calm down. There's nothing going to hurt you coming out of this side. If there was, we'd jump up and let you know about it. You can trust us. And, you know, here I was saying, okay, then why am I sick when I leave Target shopping and I encounter this odor? Why is my nose bleeding? Why am I getting this massive headache? Why am I having to use an inhaler when I haven't even been diagnosed with asthma after I encounter this odor? oh, well, you know, odors are just very noxious. I mean, that's what they kept telling us for five years. I call that the there, there, Missy, don't worry, your pretty little head about it defense. And it's invoked, I think, by every government agency. Somewhere along the line, they're all trained in trying to minimize our concerns to get themselves off the hook. Bingo. And you know what? I actually, and I'm going to be very honest, I always am, they told us the truth. And the way that they told us when we were in this meeting is something that I'm not used to. You know, I've dealt with a lot of these agencies over the years. I don't have the experience that you and some of your viewers have because you've been doing it for decades. But, you know, we expect to be lied to. So we get angry and worked up before we go in these meetings. And for <laughs> them to sit down in front of you and look you in the eye and be like, I'm sorry, you were right. I didn't know what to do. All I kept thinking was, and I don't even try not to curse here, but I thought, you know, how dare you come back after the fact and tell me I'm right when you made us feel horrible for even calling and wasting your time. And I let him know. I just, I cried and I said, so you mean to tell me we were right? And the guy looked at me and he goes, yes, you were right. That is unheard of in coming from a government agency. It is extremely rare. And it doesn't feel the way you think it's going to feel. Because, you know, you think if somebody tells you you're right, you're like, okay, and you're going to feel good about it. I think these agencies don't understand that for all of us that are worried about these sites, be them toxic, nuclear, whatever, we don't want to be right. If our worst fears are confirmed, it's a bad day for us, and it has significant consequence for us and our loved ones. So it isn't as though we're walking around saying, somebody tell, I need to hear I'm right. He did say something that I thought was really interesting, and it, maybe it's because it's the first time I've ever seen a human side in somebody that works for one of these agencies, 
I was trying to compose myself because I was so angry and upset. All I could think about was my kids and everybody else's kids that decided to trust and let their kids play outside in it because somebody told them there wasn't a problem. He looked at me and he said, Dawn, he said, I've talked to you since 2013. We're going to go through the rest of the conclusions and they're going to be hard. He said, but there is nothing in this report that you did not already know in your heart. He, wow. he did. He said that and it was kind of a human being moment. You know, I was a mom looking at him and he was a human looking at me. And there was an empathy, compassion, and the room was filled. And at that point, it was just the two of us. But what was interesting, besides that interaction, which I'd never seen before, is, you know, I took a deep breath and I looked around the room. That made everybody else from those agencies horribly uncomfortable. I mean, somebody must somewhere in these agencies, I mean, it must be a stipulation, you know, it's not a non-disclosure. It's you sign up an agreement. You're not allowed to be a human being when you talk to people. In other words, you have to hold to the company line or the agency line, and that is that our bodily excrement does not smell. Absolutely. There is, and I've always felt that way, but it was like I saw it for the first time, and it kind of knocked the wind out of me because I thought, oh boy, this is a victory, but I'll tell you what, man, we just got a glimpse of what the mountain looks like, and holy crap. What kind of response has there been from others in the Just Moms community and beyond that in the North St. Louis community surrounding these landfills? You know what really sucks is everybody, including those who know and have been fighting EPA and these agencies alongside of us for half a decade now, everybody wants to feel like somebody is out there protecting them, looking out for them. And even though you can point out errors in reports and whatnot, and people say, okay, I totally don't trust this report saying there's not a problem. There is always a part of somebody that wants to trust and wants to believe that nobody would allow them or their loved ones to be put in harmed way unless they were absolutely certain. And I think that idea has just been shattered. In fact, in the middle of this meeting, in front of elected officials, one of the doctors gets up and looks at us and says, you know what, we have you moms to thank for the study because if it wasn't for you pushing us, we wouldn't even have done this. That pissed me off and I lost it and I thought, it should not fall on the shoulders of two soccer moms to force you to get up off of your you-know-what and figure out and tell the truth. You know, if you don't know this is safe, then you have no business saying elsewise. And I even told them, and I'm happy to email this to you because it's important the listeners understand. We had a flyer sent out. We had several flyers sent out by Republic Services telling us point blank that there was nothing to worry about. They, they, have, they have a question. Is the odor dangerous? And they come back with, no, it is not dangerous. And they have the backing of the state agencies that have been looking over the data. And they mention these same agencies. Here's my issue. That flyer went out to over 50,000 people. And we made the agencies aware. The moment I got that flyer, I called up the person who was talking to us in the meeting. 
I said, do you know what they have just sent out? And I read it to him, and he said this. He said, you know what? He said, I'll tell you, I wouldn't say that if I were them. I said, well, they did. I said, and you know what? They make it sound as if you agree with them. They're actually saying this in a way that sounds like they're pulling you in on this. And they said, well, we don't have any, you know, we can't say anything in response to, you know, a private company. And I thought, you are the Department of Health and Senior Services for the state of Missouri. If somebody is lying and making people think that something is safe when they shouldn't be, you absolutely are mandated to jump in. And so I brought it up at the meeting. I said, do you remember that flyer? Do you remember that phone call? And he just kind of looked at me and was like, oh, crap. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, I bet you wish you'd have called all these people then and sent out your own flyer saying, I'm sorry, our name was used in an inappropriate way. No, these are not our findings. Does this recent finding in any way open the door to Republic Services being sued? <laughs> Does it ever? Because, yes, the answer is a big old yes. Because many of the employers in our community, they have workers. This odor has, and the emissions have filled the workplace. You've had workers complaining. The owners of these companies have gone to Republic, and then, you know, Republic said it's fine, and the state says it's fine. And then they've gone back to their employees, you know, and they're like, I'm sorry this is happening, but there's nothing to worry about. Now they have to go back and admit they were wrong. And they're not going to take the fall for that. You know, they're going to go after Republic. So, no, this opens them up to a tremendous liability, even on a residential. Even the school districts, I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. Given that this is nuclear hot seat, and we know that at the adjacent to Bridgeton Westlake landfill, there was radioactive waste illegally buried that has leached out. Is there an admitted nuclear component to either the emissions or the smell or to this finding that has just been granted? No, and I was very disappointed to hear that. The air monitors that are up around this site now that were used to look at these compounds, all these different chemicals, and and capture the data we're not set up to capture anything radioactive or measure it. So none of the alpha and the beta, none of that was done. And so, no, this is purely chemical, not radioactive. And obviously, you hit on the main subject, which is, you know what? We know it's leached. We know that there's radioactive in the groundwater. The EPA's come out and said so. So why? You're only looking at a piece of the picture, And just that piece is telling us we've been harmed. So what would that look like if you added in the radioactive? And that's the big question floating around this weekend. Personal opinion. Do you in any way think that this may have been an intentional choice by the monitoring agency to exclude any way of recording radionuclides? It absolutely was, and they admitted it. They did admit it because they said, The radioactive waste in this landfill is under the jurisdiction of the EPA. That is a federal agency. The chemicals, the burning side, the state is looking at. And so this was the State Department of Health and Senior Service that initiated this report and study. So they did not, in their opinion, have jurisdiction 
or have the ability to look at the radioactive side, which you and I call BS. This is where many of, I think, your listeners, they recognize this wall that we've hit, which is when it comes to anything nuclear or radioactive, these agencies don't want to touch it. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to find anything wrong. It's planned deniability to not be taking in the data because if you don't have the data, you don't have anything to point at later down the line. This has been used consistently. Mm -hmm. It was used in the first five years after Three Mile Island, and then the monitoring of people was very sporadic. Certainly in Fukushima, they have done nothing in the first five years to track what's really going on except for some testing of the kids for thyroid cancer. So it is always about don't take the readings, don't take the numbers, don't have any kind of a trail of information that can be followed back to culpability and thus liability. That is where I'm really proud of my community is because, I mean, thanks to your show, several people have bought your book. They realize that while this is happening right now in their community, they realize that they're part of a bigger story. They've done their research at other sites, and I think that's important because I've always said on your show, we're not alone. This is not just happening here. The same PR tactics, the same ridiculousness that agencies, you know, looking at one thing but not looking at the other hazardous substance at the site, that game is played all over, all over the world, not just in the United States. And I think it's important people understand that because, you learn from other sites, you know, you learn from how they've been able to deal with agencies. I will tell you, the main thing at our site, I think, with the study was that HBO film, Atomic Homefront. I think Absolutely. that public embarrassment, even your book, public embarrassment, it's kind of all we have. And hopefully that will give us the power to move things forward. What kind of follow-up? does this study now empower you and the others in your community to take? Well, for one thing, there are 92 homes that are living practically on top of this site. They have to be relocated. We are hoping that this is going to be what it takes to get them out of there, get them out from on top of this site. The other thing is we have a massive decision coming down next week on, you know, EPA is going to fly into St. Louis and let us know how much, if any, of this radioactive material they plan on cleaning up. We are tired of, I don't know how to say it, and what I'm thinking of is crude, but I'm tired of the gaslighting. We're tired of people telling us that we are safe and taking risks with our lives. I hope that this helps EPA come back and do the right thing as far as a cleanup at this site, because there's too many risks leaving it where it is. And it's a hard agency to navigate because EPA has been using the state's data to tell us we're okay. Every time somebody calls EPA about the odor and not feeling good, they say, oh, well, the state's looking at the data and they've determined that everything's fine. It's just a, an odor. And they've even gone a step further. They've said, and you know, there's so much fear around this site that, you know, you smell the odor and you're reminded of the site. And, you know, some of this is panic and fear-induced. Oh, 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 oh. Swear right. to God. 
you know, they love to say, oh, well, you're just getting emotional. I defy you to not get emotional about it, especially when you're dealing with your family, you're dealing with children, you're dealing with issues of health. You're dealing with your dogs. You know, we've got people whose dogs are their kids in Spanish Village, and, you know, they're, the odor's out. They're letting their dogs out, and their dogs are just wheezing and vomiting. If you look up the main compound that was found in this study, the sulfurs and the hydrogen sulfate, and you read the symptoms, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, EPA was part of that. And so they're coming in now on the heels of this report. You know, they even met with a local hospital in the school district, EPA did. Before this report came out, they met with them to do a there, there. It's okay. The state says this to calm everybody down. And when this report came out, one of those big players emailed us and is like, I'd like to get in front of that EPA PR woman and just look her in the eye and say WTF right now. Mm -hmm. It's that they are more committed to managing the justifiable panic, fear, and outrage than they are in actually dealing with the source of all of it. That's absolutely the truth. The EPA is coming into town this next week sometime to basically sentence us to deliver the final decision on how much of this radioactive waste they will or will not remove. And I mean, it is kind of like being sentenced, isn't it? And this is the future of, of our community and of our lives. And coming on the heels of this report, I'm likely to be bald by the end of the week. My hair's fallen out. We're more stressed than we've ever been. What would be the best possible outcome, both from this newly released report and also from the EPA coming to pass sentence on you next week? The best outcome would be because of this report, EPA coming in and deciding to relocate those 92 homes and get those people the heck out of harm's way once and for all, because this fire is going to burn for another eight to 10 years. The second thing would be they come in and they make a decision on cleanup. And as far as cleanup of the radioactive waste, this site can be clean. It is feasible. It is expensive. But you know what? Hey. That's not our fault. And also, considering that one of the owners of Republic Services is Bill Gates, he's got some of the deepest pockets on the planet. That's right. Two of his quarterly dividends from his ownership of Republic Services, Bill Gates, that is, could pay for the cleanup of this site. So he needs to fork it out and do it. And, you know, they need to come back and remove as much of it as they safely can. If they come to an area and they say, you know, we're not so sure it's safe digging down all the way, we're human and come and talk to us about it. And we'll bring our people, they bring theirs, and we'll see if we agree or not. We're reasonable. But a very large portion of this is just sitting on the surface of that landfill and can be removed, and it ought to be. It ought to be because if it's not, we risk having a fire hit it and dispersing it throughout the region. John, you have certainly been a remarkable advocate on behalf of your family, your friends, your neighbors, your community, your state, and the planet. And this seems to be a crucial time in determining factors being determined. Dawn, is there anything we haven't covered that you would like to share with the listeners at this point? 
I just would like to thank the listeners and tell them, you know, I know that it's probably not pleasant to listen to our story. It's heartbreaking. But I'll tell you, we learn so much from the listeners. The listeners, they listen to your show. They read your book. They listen to the other broadcasts. And then they reach out to us. And they offer just support and suggestions. And I have to tell you, it's so refreshing. And it really gives us the energy and what we need to just move a few more days. And a lot of the suggestions they give are great. Sometimes it's just on ways to take care of ourselves on a personal level. And I'll tell you, that's made some of the biggest difference. And it's allowed us in this community to just continue fighting. And you do so brilliantly and ceaselessly. And being part of that community that has tried her best to be in support to you and the others, anything that we've got that we can provide that's going to help you get over the tough spots, even reminding you to take a break and take a breath is important because we've got to pace ourselves for the long run on this. Fighting on these issues is not a sprint. It's a marathon, and it's a marathon on top of a marathon. So I know I speak on behalf of the listeners. Whatever we can do to help you keep going, we're in it with you every step of the way. That sounds great. I'll tell you what I could use this week. If somebody's got a great suggestion of a song, maybe an old Broadway song or something, doesn't even have to relate to this subject, but it'd be nice to just kind of have something I can listen to and hum a little bit this week, something new to get me through till this decision. (laughs) I will put that out to my Broadway-based community and see what suggestions come back, and I will forward them to you. That'd be great. Dawn, it is always enlightening. It is always encouraging and heartbreaking and all the rest to listen to you and what you and your community have been going through. And I wish you every success in getting the EPA to woman up to the job and take responsibility where they need to and do the right thing this coming week and get a genuine cleanup of that site. Thank you. I hope so. We will stay in touch with you to find out what happens after next week's meetings with the EPA. And for now, I want to thank you for being my guest on this week's Nuclear Hot Seat. Thank you so much, Levy. That was Dawn Chapman, co-founder of the group Just Moms STL, standing for St. Louis. As of recording time, no word has been received from the EPA of exactly what they're going to do about the nuclear waste cleanup at the Westlake landfill. And yes, whatever EPA announces, the documentary film Atomic Homefront, directed by Rebecca Camissa, will have been a major contributor to getting them to move. You can learn more about it by going to AtomicHomefrontFilm.com. On to our second semi-interview. Last week, we told you about the UK's Dr. Chris Busby being arrested in his home because he had a laboratory with chemicals. He is a research scientist, after all. And if you would follow the implications of yellow journalists writing for UK tabloids, because he has been interviewed on RT.com and... He wears a beret. In the aftermath of that experience, Nuclear Hot Seat was unable to secure an interview with Chris, but we did find an interview online and, under fair use, excerpted certain of his comments from the Richie Allen online radio program. 
Here are a few of the comments that Dr. Chris Busby made. They know who I am. They could look me up on the blooming internet. Yeah. You know, I've got about five million hits on the internet and a picture of me saying scientists. So, I mean, it's not so extraordinary that I should have some chemicals in a lab at the back of my place, you know. I think the idea was to frighten me. I mean, I, I think that these people were told to give me a bad time. They were told to throw me in the cell. They were told to put manacles on me and throw them, throw me in a cage and not tell me what it was all about, et cetera, et cetera, you know, on the basis of no evidence at all. Because, in, in fact, when it came to the interview, they, they asked me about what sort of chemicals I had here that could make a bomb. But none of the chemicals I've got here, which in principle could make a bomb, were, were, were chemicals that they could see anyway, because they were tucked around the back and they just came in here. They sent some guy in here and they said, oh, yes, he's making a bomb. Um, and the only thing they had when it came down, they, they read me a long list of chemicals. Did I have this? Did I have this? Did I have this? Mostly I didn't. And the one, only one that they said that they found was chapati flour. Can you imagine? I mean, the whole thing was ridiculous. And, and But actually, I'm quite good at this because I've done lots and lots of court cases. I've been lots and lots of positions where I've been deposed by much more horrifying lawyers than than those three, two squirts from the CID. And so, and so, I mean, it, you know, it didn't phase me at, at all. And at the end of it all, I said, look, guys, you're, you're talking about bringing me into a crown court because that's what this is. You're talking about a serious crime here, you know, section two, blah, blah, blah. You've got to get me into a crown court and you're going to provide a, you're going to have to persuade a jury that Christopher Busby with 40 research papers and, and all of these, you know, associated with several different universities and academies of sciences and goodness knows what is a bomb maker. I said the chance of that of you doing that, especially when we get in the lawyers from hell are going to be sort of absolutely 10 to the minus 15. So I don't know why, why on earth you're doing this sort of thing. I've studied the health effects of ionizing radiation partly because I want to head off apocalypse because, because under the current radiation risk model, and this is the one that governments governments uh, have, in, you know, and certainly the generals believe, that these are, this is the risk model that allows them to use depleted uranium weapons because they say the doses to people who are in the areas where they use it are very low and it can't possibly cause any effects. In fact, the research that I, I, I do, and, and one of those bits of research is that Fallujah research that we did, shows that, that the uranium effects, which are a combination of chemical and radiological, and those are the effects that we saw in the nuclear test veterans, which I've done a, a number of court cases in the High Court in London, these effects are like 1,000 to 10,000 times greater than is predicted by the, by the current risk model. So if there is a nuclear war, it's not something that somebody is going to sit out and survive and then come out afterwards from their little bunker and say, oh, well, that's all right. You know, we've lost three quarters of the population of the world, but everything's fine now for us. It's not going to happen. What's going to happen is that the genetic, the, the genetic damage engendered by the, by, by the radiotoxicity of this stuff, and it's got a, it's got a life of about 10 billion years, 4.7 billion years, half-life, is that that's it, you know? That's it. That's the end. And so I, 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 so I really don't want any of this stuff to happen, and that's why I'm doing what I do. The take-home message here, I think, for me and for everyone, is that in life you have to be brave, you know, and there's too much cowardice in the world now, and that's the problem. Dr. Chris Busby of the UK on his recent trumped-up bust for daring to be a scientist who regularly confronts, confounds, and beats the British government on nuclear issues. We'll have a link up to the full interview, which goes into many other aspects of Chris's work, on our website, NuclearHotSeat.com under this episode, number 379. Activist shout-outs! 
A correction on last week's announcement about the intertribal gathering at Red Butte. I did a Google search and came up with Red Butte, Montana, but that's the wrong one. It's actually taking place at Red Butte in Arizona. The dates are October 5th through 7th. The focus is to stop uranium mining and transport and to save the Grand Canyon, asking for support of the Havasupai tribe. On October 5th, it's going to be open to tribal members only and closed to the public, but the 6th and the 7th are open to the public. There are campsites available if you bring your own camping gear, chairs, water, and food. No alcohol or drugs allowed. There will be speakers, a forum, ceremonies, sweat lodge, entertainment, and a fun run walk. Well, if you like running and walking and you think it's fun, that's fine. For more information, you can contact the Havasupai Tribal Council at 928-448-2731. And we will also have that up on the website this week. And if you're in the L.A. area, mark your calendars for Thursday, November 8th. That's when I'll be at the La Cunada Flint Ridge Bookstore reading from my book, Yes, I Glow in the Dark, One Mile from Three Mile Island to Fukushima and Nuclear Hot Seat. I'll also be available to sign copies and share more about the ever-unfolding nuclear situation, including the latest on San Onofre and six other direct nuclear radiation threats that we face here in Southern California. And if you wish to learn more about the book, go to NuclearHotSeat.com book, and you'll find out exactly what you need to know. Here's today's final thought. It's hard to keep your story straight when you're lying, something the nuclear industry does all the time. Witness poor, hapless Geraldine Thomas, called Jerry in industry press releases, as though masculinizing her name will make her more credible. She told a major international gathering of pro-nuxters that the problem with radiation is that the public fails to separate the peaceful and military uses of the nuclear industry. But the exact same week, the Schillberger himself, Michael Schellenberger, published two separate essays demanding that the industry openly link in the public minds nuclear weapons and nuclear power. As usual... This industry's right and left hands are so pompous, bloated, arrogant, and wrong that they never know what the other is doing and don't even bother to check. Let's parse it out this way with the help of an essay by Dr. Jim Green, the national nuclear campaigner with Friends of the Earth Australia. Dr. Green points out that this sudden flip-flop by Schellenberger, a former respected environmentalist and now pro-nuclear traitor to that cause, has clear origins in the crisis facing nuclear power and the perceived need to secure increased subsidies to prevent reactors closing and to build new ones, and to keep himself in a falsely elevated position to that industry. According to Dr. Green, this new sales pitch put forth by the Schilberger, hold the onions, openly links nuclear power to weapons and argues that the weapons programs will be jeopardized unless greater subsidies are provided for civil nuclear industry. There's nothing civil about that. The truth is that there is no split between nuclear power and nuclear weapons. This was an artificial separation that was encouraged to take hold in the 1950s and 60s in order to split the efforts of activists into two camps and keep us from combining our energies. 
after the bomb was created, many of the scientists involved felt horribly conflicted by what their scientific breakthroughs had led to for the people of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They desperately sought a means of justifying this horrific new technology they'd invented. And one of the things they came up with is using the heat created by splitting the atom to boil water, to make steam, to turn steam generators, and make electricity. That's right. You can boil water for free with sunshine and magnification, but nuclear does it so much more expensively as a byproduct of a military-industrial boondoggle technology. Who wouldn't want nuclear reactors under those circumstances? Besides sane people, that is. So why bother? Oh, yeah. The byproduct of nuclear power generation is a waste stream that includes plutonium in an isotope that can easily be refined into weapons-grade plutonium. Before nukes for power took hold, the government, the military, had to pay for the creation of plutonium which is a totally man-made material, but they had to do it. They had to pay for it because, hey, it's for the bombs. But once energy reactors went into operation, plutonium, the byproduct, was paid for by the rate-paying public, who were sold on the idea of nuclear energy by the industry chant of being able to provide energy too cheap to meter. That was combined with the institutionalized total lack of understanding of the devastating effect of man-made nuclear radiation. So the government saved money and got an endless supply of plutonium with which to monkey around with devastating consequences to people and the environment. So Jerry Baby and the Shill. Now there's another retro band named Jerry Baby and the Shill. You have brought to our attention the wobble in the middle of all the nuclear lies. Are bombs and reactors separate but equal, or one and the same? The answer is both. The choice just lies in your perspective, and the lies of your perspective. It's not that both of these pro-nuke drummers are right. They're both wrong. That's because nuclear is wrong be it as bombs or energy generation, both of which create incalculable amounts of toxic radioactive waste with no way to safely store it or clean it up. So ignore what pro-nukers are saying and join in taking action on behalf of this movement against nuclear. We're a lot less pompous, a lot more fun, and they'll be on the side of the planet and the environment. And I promise you, No matter how far we go or how long we're in it, our message will not change and will not wobble. As Harvey Wasserman would put it, no nukes. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, September 25th, 2018. Material for this week's show has been researched and compiled from nuclear-news.net and the esteemed Sean Arclight, DeUnRenard.wordpress.com, MiningAwareness.wordpress.com, Duke Energy, Newsweek.com, OCRegister.com, San Diego Union Tribune.com, StabMag.com, CBSun.com, BISNow.com, DailyEnergyInsider.com, HanfordChallenge.org, BeyondNuclear.org, The Law Offices of Randall M. Weiner, PC, 
seattletimes.com, mainichi.jp, someofus.org, sputniknews.com, reuters.com, businessinsider.com, english.hani.kr, that's for Korea, theecologist.org, the soul-dead cubicle drones who grind out press releases for world nuclear news, the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and a big shout-out to you, Nuclear Hot Seat listeners and followers around the world. I'm not kidding. You are in 123 countries on six continents, and we're open to more people signing on to this. A big welcome to everyone who's listening on our growing network of broadcast stations around the U.S. as well. You, all of you, show your love for life on this planet by being willing to know the truth and then acting upon it. I am so glad I am with you on this journey together as kick-ass defenders of nuclear truth and supporters of atomic awareness. My thanks to Lonnie Clark of Age of Fission for helping to get my show up on Spreaker, whatever that is. I'm sure she'll explain it to me. If you want to get Nuclear Hot Seat delivered via email every week, it's easy. Just go to NuclearHotSeat.com, scroll down, and look for the yellow box. Especially if you're on a tablet or a smartphone, this may take a while. But that's where you can sign up for a weekly email link to the latest show and a brief description of what's in the episode. It's an easy way to make certain that you don't miss a single episode. Now, if you have a story lead, a hot tip, or a suggestion of someone to interview, send an email to info at nuclearhotseat.com. And if you appreciate weekly verifiable news updates about nuclear issues around the world, take a moment and send a donation of any size to Nuclear Hot Seat. You can find our donate buttons on the website, both the red one and the green one, and we will really appreciate your support. Nuclear Hot Seat is copyright 2018, Libby Halevi and Hartistry Communications. All rights reserved, but fair use allowed, as long as proper attribution is provided. This is Libby Halevi of Hartistry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding all of you anti-nuclear brigade members that, as Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Take that, Geraldine Thomas. And now, for the rest of you, you've all had your nuclear wake-up call. So do not go back to sleep, because we are all in the nuclear hot seat. Nuclear hot seat, what are those people thinking? Nuclear hot seat, what have those boys been drinking? Nuclear hot seat, the corium is sinking. Our time to act is shrinking, but our activists are linking. Nuclear hot seat, it's the bomb.